Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. David, shout amen. Praise the Lord. I can remember years ago, uh, we used to sing a chorus, He is exalted, He is exalted on high. And there's a couple of little girls sitting in front of me in church and I'm listening to them and they're singing, He is exhausted, He is exhausted. <laughs> and that's kind of how I am on some of these songs. My wife says, you make up your own words. I say, well, what do you do? Praise the Lord. You have your Bible this morning, uh, Proverbs 28 and Isaiah uh, 27. Uh, It used to always amaze me in Malaysia when I would read in the paper about this special team that was attached to the fire department. And they were trained and their purpose was to go into homes or businesses or sometimes even the school and remove these deadly cobras. And they knew it was a real threat. They had actual deaths from this, these poisonous vipers. It wasn't a myth. It wasn't fictional. It was a real danger. One of the great problems today that I see is sin is no longer a great and a real danger. To many, it's like a myth in their mind. Oh, we know what the word is. We can pronounce it. It just no longer applies to me. It's like a biblical fairy tale or an old legend. Isaiah 27.1, this is one of the texts I want to use. Very interesting scripture. In that day the Lord with His severe sword... Great and strong, he will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, that twisted serpent, he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. Now, if you understand biblical imagery, Satan is often portrayed as a serpent. Sin is his poison. I want to read Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercies. I think the old King James says, will find the mercies of God. I want to minister this morning on to cover or confess. Father, we come by the blood this morning, by your Spirit. We thank you, God, for your presence.
God, I pray, give us a real understanding. God, give us a healthy fear. God, in a a revelation of sin and the nature of our enemy. I pray each one here today would escape. May they find Jesus Christ as their Savior and heaven as their home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah, in this verse I read, gives a revelation of the nature of the serpent or Satan. Calls him Leviathan. Leviathan, that sea monster, some the dragon, the one who struck fear and chaos. One translation, the many-headed monster who lives in the sea of humanity. Psalm 74, again, kind of opens our eyes. Um, You broke the heads, multiple, of the sea serpents. In the water, you broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces. This word Leviathan means this serpentine, this many-headed monster that traffics in humanity. Job gives us some insight. Job 3 verse 8. May they curse it who curses the day, those who are ready to arouse Leviathan. This name is always associated with mourning, with grief, sorrow, anguish, the bewailing, the misery. It means to be cursed. Job, you understand the book of Job. Job, uh, he's been cast down. Things have been stripped. His body's broken. He's grief-stricken. And he, it means to be cursed. Um, and he talks about Leviathan, um, uh, that deceiving, um, a serpentine um, monster that portrays the demonic. Isaiah said... Um, that twisting, that fleeing serpent. That word fleeing means he's hard to catch. Uh, he's, uh, if you've ever tried to catch a snake with your hand, that slithering, um, uh, it's fleeing, it's evasive. Um, and he said, this is a picture of sin in the demonic. Hard to put your finger on it. Very shifty, very slippery. Fleeing, you think you have it and then you don't. It's hard to nail down. You know something's wrong, it's not right. You just can't seem to get your mind. You can't seem to grasp it and identify it. Now you see it. Now you don't. Leviathan... That fleeing serpent. This many-headed monster that traffics in the sea of humanity. If you're here today, you have to understand the demonic traffics in humanity. The demonic spirits. The New Testament talks about a man whose house was swept clean And it said this spirit went out through the earth. It could find no place to rest. Brought seven others and came back and inhabited this person. 
but my focus is more on the nature of sin. And so here is this, this picture of Leviathan. It's slippery, it's deceiving. James 1.16, be not deceived. Verse 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Don't be deceived. Don't allow this fleeing, serpentine, slippery, demonic, be able to evade your understanding. Also says, Leviathan, that twisting or that coiling serpent. Again, it gives understanding of what happens and the nature of the demonic and sin. It winds itself around you. It coils. And it coils with an agenda to choke or to strangle. This coiling process of the demonic, of Leviathan, of sin, is to imprison, it restricts you ever so slowly coiling and entangling and twisting you as well out of shape. Luke eight fourteen. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those when after they have heard, uh, they go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life. There's that word choked uh, to strangle. Second Peter 2, 20. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled or encoiled in them and they're overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So here is a powerful truth. We have an enemy. Sin, the demonic Leviathan. His nature is he's very evasive, hard to spot, hard to identify. We know there's issues. We know there's difficulty. There's struggles. We can't seem to break through. We can't seem to accomplish. Um, uh, we're struggling. There's bond. And not only that, it's coiling so slowly, strangling the very life out of you. Choking. You... <gasps> You want, you can't seem to catch your spiritual breath and life. You want to excel, but there's no strength because you're being strangled. And then Peter says, um, it entangles you and the latter end is worse than the beginning. wonder how many here you feel yourself spiritually strangled. There's a loss of spiritual energy passion things become dull listen to me carefully with sin it's not where it begins but it's where it ends and where it takes you the end Peter said is always worse than the beginning I was thinking as I was working on this sermon yesterday and early this morning I was thinking about a young lady Gifted young lady, young, attractive, could sing, personality, came from a good family, 
got saved at this altar, began to live for God. Lived for God probably a year, maybe a year and a half or so. Got diverted. I remember family in this church talking to her. I had a couple occasions to talk to this girl. And she built her case and, well, I understand, and she's saying all the right words. Then her family, sometime down the road, a few years down the road, they found her in Tempe, walking down the street totally naked. They had to commit her to an institution. And eventually she married a man way more than twice her age, probably almost three times her age, And today, the family tells me, she's totally and completely depressed with life. Now, when she made that initial choice, she had no clue. If you would have told her the last chapters or so that we know are recorded and it's not over, she would have been highly upset. I'm talking about a young lady who was intelligent. About a young lady who had personality, a young lady who's gifted and talented. See, what we're talking about is a generation that no longer fears or respects or has any revelation of sin. In our text in Proverbs, it says, He who covers his sin will not prosper. And so the question needs to be asked. Why are we so determined to cover our sin? There's not a one, not an adult in this place that somewhere you've been powerfully tempted and no doubt have covered sins. In our text it says, He who covers his sin. The one who attempts to hide or conceal. He wants to keep it a secret. It's a cover-up. Remember the Watergate, those of you who are old enough. The Watergate, the cover-up. But why is it the smallest child? What's that in your hand? I don't care, they can barely walk. What is that? It's in our nature. And there's a reason for that. It's as old as Adam and Eve, God calling after they had sinned. Where are you? Adam, Eve, where are you? Genesis 3.10. So he said, I heard your voice. This is Adam talking to God in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. See, the opposite of being covered is to be exposed. He did not want God to see him in that state. It's found again in Leviathan. In Job 41, it gives this whole chapter on the nature of Leviathan. Job 44.1, can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or a snare in his tongue with a line? He In verse 34, he Beholds every high thing. He is king over all the children of pride. Verse 15, his rows of scales are his pride. 
every one of us here were born with an issue called pride. And pride hates to admit and to confess and uncover any sin, any wrongdoing. Not me. Not me. I've had people sit and look at me, lie to me to my face. I know they're lying to me. And they think they're going to be able to cover this and hide it. Pride, it's nature. You're crazy. You're jealous. Whatever. You try. Pride will always try to blow it off or divert it. It's not me. How dare you even suggest that? Pride's nature is to cover up. It hates to admit. It hates to be exposed. Pride is always about self. It's always about you. And pride will always lie to cover its sin. See, one of the problems we have here is I'm trying to work you through this. You cannot sin without lying. And especially as a Christian, you cannot sin without lies. First of all, you lie to yourself. You've heard me say, you have to justify your conduct, your words, your behavior, and your decisions. And to do that, you have to justify your sin. And the way you do that is you lie to yourself. Normally you blame somebody else. I'm not that bad. It's not really sin. How dare you judge me? It goes on and on. 1 John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, that's exactly what we say. We refuse to admit. We do not want it exposed. We will not acknowledge it as our sin And you cannot do that without lying to yourself. To sin, you have to lie. You will always lie to yourself and to others. There's an old proverb, sin has many pots in which it boils, but lying is the handle that fits them all. You cannot cover sin without lying and deception. The Bible has a history of men and women who lied. Gehazi, he ran after Naaman in the gold and silver. And he lied. He lied to Naaman. He came back to Elisha. Where have you been? And he lies again. Joseph's brothers, out of jealousy, they lied to cover up selling Joseph as a slave. They took his garment, killed a lamb, put blood on it, told his father he was dead. Cain lied to God to cover up the mother of his, uh, the murder of his brother. Where's your brother? God said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? God said, His blood cries from the ground. I know exactly. David, in his lust, lied to Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. He sent him to the front. All oh, kill this man, Ahab and Jezebel. Naboth's vineyard. They wanted this vineyard. She sent out letters of lies about Naboth and they had him stoned. Judas 
Here is the Lord Himself. One of you puts His hand in the cup with me. Is a traitor. Is it I? Is it I? Of course it's you. Acts 5.3, Ananias and Sapphira. They lied about an offering and a pledge. Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to men but to God. And they fell over dead, Acts chapter 5. You cannot cover your sin or someone else's sin without lying and deceiving. And the Bible says you will not prosper. Proverbs 6.16, these six things the Lord hates. It goes on, a proud look, a lying tongue, verse 17. Verse 19, a false witness who speaks lies. I want to say something. If you want God to hate you, you just lie. God says, I hate that. If you want God to hate you, I want to tell you, that's not something you want. You just lie and cover up and deceive and speak falsehood. I read two articles. One of these triggered my mind. We've become a nation of liars. We lie on income tax. We lie on marriage. It goes on and on. It gives these statistics, an epidemic of lies. 86% say they've lied to their parents. 75% to their friends, 73% to their siblings, 69% to their lover, 61% to their boss, 59% to their children. Listen to what God says. He who covers his sin will not, will not. What that means, God said, I will see to it. I will personally See to it, he absolutely will not prosper. Don't matter how talented, how gifted, how much money, personality, intellect, God said, I will personally see to it. You will not prosper. This word means you'll never attain, you'll never achieve, you'll not go forward. It's a picture of a life like a bag with holes in it. No matter what you try to put into your life, no matter what you try to embrace, no matter what you try to achieve, no matter what you try to gather, love, peace, joy, some kind of meaning, some it's like your life is like a sieve and everything runs out and you always come up empty. Listen to me carefully. When you cover sin, you cannot do it without lying. And what that is, when you lie, it's a crime against truth. Make the connection. And that's who God is. I'm talking about me. That's who God is. He is the way. He is the truth. God is truth. When you lie, I don't care who you lie to. The Bible says the devil is the father of lies. When you lie, when you cover, when you deceive, when you project falsehood, you become an ally of the demonic and it's a crime against God's nature, which is truth. 
This is why God says, I hate this. I hate liars. God says, I hate them. And no doubt in his mind, this is how the demonic advances his kingdom. This is how Satan builds his kingdom. This is how he ensnares and tempts you and I. It's a lie. I dare say that young lady I mentioned, God love her. I dare say much of that happened because she believed a lie. She believed a lie. Never in a thousand years would she have imagined that would be her state or her condition. Lying is a crime. It's a crime against truth, the nature of God. See, we think we can play these head games with God. Listen, you're spiritually insane. Think of the woman at the well. Jesus says, where's your husband? Well, I don't have a husband. Oh, really? Let me, let me, let me administer some truth, he says. He didn't say it, but he did. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with is not your own. But yet, we think we can play this mind game with God. We can deceive God. We can lie. We can throw out this image. We can play games with people in God. He says, He who covers his sin will not, absolutely will not prosper. You know the trap of lying when it comes to sin? In your mind, the shame of telling the truth, the shame, the embarrassment of the present moment to you is more terrible than the decay of a lifetime. And that in itself is a deception. The shame, the embarrassment of having to face what I've done, my sin, that, in the, to, so, that seems more terrible than God saying, I'll be against you to the grave. That, that internal pride and, that says, I just can't bear to just fess up and be, I'm going to cover and I'm going to lie. We think that is better than the rot and the decay of a lifetime. Because what happens when you cover sin, there's this internal twisting. Remember the Leviathan. That coiling, twisting, crooked serpent. There's this internal twisting and warping of your soul and your mind that you cannot escape when you cover sin. You'll become this crooked individual. You're no longer true. Your heart, mind, and spirit begins to twist and warp 
because you can only live life by truth. That's the only way you can survive life is you have reference points of your soul that are truth, right and wrong, righteousness and unright. And when you lie and cover sin, that decays and you can, you can be talented. You can even stand behind a pulpit. But internally, it will catch you because you can only survive. What is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam from the Virginia Beach Potter's House. Wanted to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. We hope that you have been enjoying the new daily podcast format. We have been doing our best to post a daily podcast sermon, uh, either from our church or from around the fellowship. We want to ask a couple of favors of you, if you don't mind. First of all, if you are listening to this, make sure that you are subscribed. There's a lot of people who are listening to these and navigating to them uh, every single day, uh, but it would be better for you and a whole lot better for us if you make sure that you are subscribed so that you get daily sermons de- delivered directly to your phone or your computer. Uh, The next thing I want to ask you to do is make sure that you leave us a review. We want to ask you, if you're enjoying the daily podcast, fellowship sermons from around the world, please, please go and uh, give us a rating, give us a five stars. Uh, And if you enjoy this, we want to ask you to please share this. No doubt there's people in your church that would enjoy listening to a daily sermon from around the fellowship. The third big thing I want to ask you to do is I want to talk to the sound booth guy in your church. And I believe that there are some treasure trove sermons out there. We've built a platform that uh, I believe we could use for the kingdom. And no doubt that there are some of you, you know somebody who knows somebody who's got about 10,000 sermons in the sound booth that they've been sitting on. Or, or maybe you've got a sermon that you think uh, would be great to share on this sermon podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to we get our hands on those, uh, on those sermons so that we can publish them and we can get them out to the rest of our fellowship. So those are my big three requests. Uh, we want to say thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thanks a lot, guys. What if your eyes lied to you? What if your eyes didn't tell you the truth? Just, just play that out a little bit. What if your eyes didn't tell you the truth? What if they deceived you? Oh, there's no wall there. <laughs> That's not a truck coming. That's a chihuahua. And, and that, but that's what happens internally. When you cover sin, you cannot do that without lying. And lying, you embrace Leviathan and you begin to be twisted and you think you'll escape. Had a couple. And I couldn't understand why they were behaving so oddly. Driving me crazy. I couldn't understand why the words that were coming out of their mouth and, and the decisions they were making. 
and, and just, just off the wire. Known them for years. Known them since they were kids. I just couldn't get my mind. Why are they behaving this way? Until they detonated their life. Detonated today. A man called me from out of the country. He said, Pastor Campbell, I should have told you this years ago. But one night we were together, my wife and I and this couple I'm mentioning, and said this other lady and my wife began to talk. And this lady confessed how she had lied to you about them being keeping themselves morally. And what they had done, they had went down to the justice of the peace secretly, got a marriage certificate, and then portrayed in front of this whole congregation and me that everything was, they were pure, they were keeping standards, they were morally, and they were committing fornication and adultery and etc. And I'm not even sure they have the marriage license. I think that was a lie because they gave me a marriage license that I had to sign. But whether it was or not, it was the whole deception. And in their mind, they slipped away clean. And then years down the road, their life, they're just acting. I mean, it's just, it's unnatural. The way they're acting against their own future, their own destiny, their, their relationship in life. They're just... And, and it, and I was amazed until this man called me. He who covers his sin, I don't care if it takes a decade or two de- you will not prosper. You will not prosper. It's inescapable because of what it does to you internally. But then the writer turns the page, but whoever confesses and forsakes his sin. The old King James, I believe, one translation says, will find, the other will have the mercy of God. You know what the word confess is? It's to embrace truth. The word confess is where you surrender to the truth about you. Truth exposes, it uncovers sin. When you confess, it's me. I did it. It's my fault. God, this is what I did. No one else. What happens is confession realigns your soul with truth and God now can straighten things out. This is what so happens powerfully when people get converted. It's amazing that God now will straighten out their mind and spirit. They can think clearly. The Bible calls it a sound mind. They're now able to process life correctly. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to me. God is only able to cleanse what you confess. It's deliverance. Wednesday night I preached Isaiah. He said, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. And the 
Shervin, the angel took the hot coal and touched his lips. God purifies what we confess. When you confess, it exposes it to God. It exposes it to His purification and His cleansing. Here's where many fail. He who confesses and forsakes his sin. Confessing and cleansing sets the stage for forsaking. The moment you confess God, then He has access by His blood and Spirit. He comes and now God is able to liberate and you're able to forsake. This was a stumbling block to me. I'm a sinner. I know I'm messed up. I got some bad addictions. And I couldn't connect the dots. How in the world... Could I live a Christian life knowing who I was? What I didn't understand the moment I repented and confessed. Simple child prayer. That gave God access. I go home. I break drug paraphernalia. I pour alcohol out. Um, I quit cursing, broke albums, different things. Um, no longer partied. My vocabulary changed. Um, quit going to the clubs. Begin to go. All of that because God now had access. Not only to me, but to you. But if you do not confess, if you do not repent, then God is limited. And his hands are tied. Forsake. What it means is to totally abandon. To leave behind. To renounce. I'm not just confessing and then I'm going to go out and do it tomorrow. I'm not just getting some religious vibe and then as soon as I leave church and quit lighting a few candles I'm going to go party. But it means to never return. I'm not going there. It's a picture of Ruth leaving Moab. She's a Moabite. She lives in a cursed nation. Nation of idols and uncleanness. She's going to follow Naomi to Bethlehem. Ruth 1.16 She's crying out to Naomi. Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following you after you. And then she makes this statement of forsaking. For where you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God shall be my God. And she stepped into destiny. The lineage of Jesus Christ. Think of this. Think of this. It says, if we'll confess and forsake our sin, everyone here can forsake confess and forsake their sin but will your pride pride I don't want to confess I don't want to admit I don't want to expose this wicked side of me and especially if we're saved many times I don't want I don't and we find ourselves being twisted internally and warped and strange things begin to happen. And then this incredible promise, you'll find the mercy of God. 
Think about blind Bartimaeus. Mark 10, 46, he sat by the roadside begging, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind and he's a beggar. Jesus calls him. And he did something very interesting in verse 50. He takes off his garment and the Bible says in verse 50, and throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. You know what that garment was? That was a beggar's garment. That garment identified his condition. And he said, I'm forsaken that. I'm not going to need that kind of identity anymore. Never again. Your sin identifies your condition. And the moment you confess and forsake, cast it off. says, you'll find, you'll have mercy. You'll find the mercy of God. Listen to me, listen to me, I'm closing. Everyone here, somewhere, sometime, you're going to desperately need to find God's mercy. And I'm going to tell you, finding this is worth more than any silver or gold. Some people here, you find a promotion waiting for you. You come in and they promoted you. Oh, shoo, my. I'm telling you, this is more valuable. Listen to me somewhere. I don't care who you are, how righteous you may think you are. Somewhere, you're going to desperately need mercy. Some of you think finding a wife or a husband is the greatest thing that ever happened to you. And that is wonderful. But finding God's mercy is incredible. This word mercy, it's, it's strong compassion. It's to love deeply. You know what mercy is? I'm worthy of judgment. What I deserve, God, is your judgment because I know who I am. I deserve the penalty of my sin. The wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve. But when I confess and forsake, oh, I find the mercy of God. I don't find His judgment. Oh, I know I'm guilty. But God, your mercy is greater than my guilt. This is where forgiveness comes from. Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed before him. This is Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God is merciful and gracious. He's long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. That's God. God is full of mercy. You know the Old Testament, and I close. The Ark of the Covenant. This represented God's presence. This was God's throne, the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark was the broken commandments, picture of you and I. Aaron Rod's that, Rod that budded, picture of you and I, etc. But what covered the Ark? Listen to me for a minute. What covered the Ark was called... The mercy seat. This is where God sat. 
This was pure gold. It was about 45 inches by 27 inches. This was the throne of God. Listen, God ruled Israel from a seat of mercy. God judged for mercy. This word in the Hebrew means to wipe out, to erase, or to atone. This is the heart of God. God says, the way I judge you, the way I want to rule my people is from mercy. But I can only administer that where you confess. Otherwise, my hands are tied. That's why you can see people who know things about God, revelation, Scripture, and yet do the most bizarre, unbelievable things is because somewhere they've covered their sin and they've excluded themselves from God's mercy. What about you? Is it cover or confess? The cross was the New Testament mercy seat. Remember Isaiah 27 verse 1. In that day the Lord will punish with His severe and great sword Leviathan. That piercing, that elusive, that crooked serpent. In that day the Lord with His powerful sword will punish Leviathan. Most feel that was the cross. When this scripture was made real to me, and I close, was many, 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 many years ago. I was pastoring, pioneering in Phoenix, Arizona long before I ever came here. There was a pastor who was, who was mentally, it was witchcraft we found out later, was being worked against him. He was pastoring in Tempe. Witchcraft. I went to see him and he's there and he's mentally, he's collapsed mentally. He's ready to give up the ministry. He's sobbing uncontrollably. He's breaking down emotionally. I said this is many, many years ago. And I'll never forget, as Pastor Mitchell actually told me, he said, quote this scripture to him and pray over him. Didn't have cell phones in those days and we communicated. And I'll never forget. I, to my knowledge, I'd never really paid attention to this scripture, Isaiah 27. And here's this man. He's crumbled. His wife's there. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. The spirit. And we didn't know it at the time, but a curse had been put against him. I quoted that scripture, prayed for this man. It was the most incredible thing. Is like this demonic spirit, this bondage, this, this twisting, crippling, tormenting, warping, controlling, choking, 
killing spirit was broken. And the man shook himself. It's like he didn't even know where he was or what he was doing and came to his right senses and he's still in the ministry today. What about you this morning? What about you? He who covers his sins will not prosper. He who confesses his sins and forsakes them will find God's mercy. Choice is yours. Choice is yours. Choice is yours. Ask you to bow your head with me this morning. You're in this place. This is how you get a miracle. This is how your whole life can be changed. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To be saved, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, the, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart man believes. What about it this morning? God wants to show you mercy. God does not want to have to judge from any other foundation or platform but mercy. That's why Jesus died. Mercy is deep love. The love of God. God so loved you and I. He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever might perish, find everlasting life. God, deep rich in mercy and devotion. He wants to move in mercy and grace, atonement and redemption. But it's only released when you and I, God, God, I'm sorry. It's me. You're here this morning. I wonder how many there be. You say, you know what? I'm looking for a new life. I'm looking to be set free. I desperately need the mercy of God. I need God to touch me. Because I'm not right. I'm lost. And I feel that choking and that twisting in my soul. And I want to be free. You're here this morning. You say, would you pray for me, Pastor? You just lift your hand. All over this building, I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand over here. God bless you. Who else? Just slip it up. Slip it up. Help me. I see your hand. God bless you. I see this hand. This hand over here. God bless you. Who else? Just slip it up. Slip it up. Slip it up. That's me, Pastor. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. I want to get right with God. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. I see your hand. God bless you. Who else? Who else? I'm sorry. God, God, I need your mercy. Who else? Who else? Who else? I'm not right with God. My soul, my heart is not right. I've lied and internally. Who else? Just lift it up. Lift it up that I could see it. I see your hand, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? Just lift it up. 
Lift it up. I need to get right this morning. I need to be right with God. I need to feel God's mercy, His love and grace. Anyone else? Anyone else? Backslider. Backslider, lost, cold, once knew God, you'd lift your hand. I want all of those who lifted your hand, just lift it up and hold it. Would you lift it again? Lift it up and hold it. Your hand's lifted. Would you lift your eyes and look at me? You sincere? Sincere with God. Sincere. Sincere with God. Sincere with God. Sincere with God. Someone else back. I want all of you back in the back. Sincere with God. I want you to get up out of your seat and come to this altar. I want you to come if you come right now. If you come, just come out of your seat. In the back, back there, you lifted your hand. Would you come? You just come and kneel right here. I need you to come. God bless you. God's going to help you. If you'd like to come, who else? You lifted your hand. Would you come? God's going to help you. God's going to help you. God's going to help you. Thank you. Thank you, man. God bless you. Church, if you just come, God bless you, dear. God's going to help you. Some lady, one of the ladies come, pray with her. God bless you. God's going to help you. Listen to me, church. One of the most difficult and one of the worst lies is that simply because we're saved, we can cover sin and it'll have no consequences. Sometimes in my mind, it's worse when you're saved because you know much, much is required. You think I can cover my sin with lies. I can cover someone else's sin with lies and it won't affect me. It will affect you. It'll affect you internally. Because when you lie, you give access to the twisting one. The one who coils. And it'll make you into something you never imagined. And you'll not escape. I want to ask you to stand with me all over this building. I want to open these altars. You'd like to come and pray and lay hold and talk to God. Personal issues. Personal issues. God, there's things I want to get right. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.